Welcome back to NC Realtors Redefine, the NC Realtors podcast. On this episode, Realtor and Appraiser Melanie McLean joins us from a Mobile Monday session that will help both appraisers and agents navigate the challenges presented by an overheated market. And NC Realtors General Counsel Will Martin brings us a holiday-themed legal Q&A. But first... Do you have feedback on a story or topic that you'd like to hear covered on this podcast? Then give NC Realtors Redefine a call at 336-550-4437. When leaving your voicemail, be sure to tell us your name and where you're from. Your comments may be used on a future episode of NC Realtors Redefined. Hi, my name is Melanie McLean, and I'm here to talk about appraising in an overheated market. So when I say appraising, I'm actually also talking about pricing, because this is something we have no matter where we are in the real estate business. And uh, my position is that I'm an appraiser, I'm a broker, and I list and sell property. So I have seen this from the listing side as a listing agent. I've seen it as a buyer, selling agent working for the buyer, and I've seen it as an appraiser. And so what we all have to think about is, first of all, most parts of the country, it's an extremely overheated market. Supply is very low, demand is very high. And quite frankly, some of our buyers are going to be left out in the cold. What I'm observing in many markets I teach in, and I was actually in another part of Pennsylvania earlier last week, is people who only have a small down payment, maybe your FHA buyers who do not have other other resources to bring to the table if that appraised value does not meet that sales price, they're being shut out of the market. Cash is always king. Multiple offers are coming in. Within those multiple offers, we have some that are cash, some that have a lot of money down, some that don't have so much money down, and then, of course, we have the terms and contingencies. Wherever I am, cash with no contingencies is almost always going to win the day. So I think what we have to do when we're doing this, first of all, if you're a listing agent, I understand that your seller doesn't want to leave any money on the table. They are going to try very hard to get as much as they possibly can. You will have done a carefully thought out market analysis. You will have shown them what the comps show. Now, putting on my appraiser hat for a minute, appraisers are stuck with the market data we have. We can't make up market data. If we make up market data, we get in a whole lot of trouble. So if listing agents, when you list that property, if you know there are not comps which support that price that you can find, guess what? The appraiser is not going to be able to get them either. So your seller needs to be thinking about when they consider offers, which of these buyers has the potential to bring additional money to the table if we need them to do that? You also want to think, and back to the, the poor FHA buyer, that person is at a disadvantage because 
an FHA appraisal lasts for four months. So if I'm the listing agent and you bring a buyer who's going FHA and you're already beyond the comps that I had that showed what it ought to sell for, I'm going to be nervous. I'm going to be nervous that the appraiser is not going to be able to find comps to get us to the negotiated price. And then I'm very nervous because for four long months, FHA will not do another appraisal on that property. So that becomes an issue. Now, if you're a buyer's agent and you know you're going into a competitive situation, your, your listing agent has said to you, hey, we're getting multiple offers, write your highest and best. This is the point where we all need to talk to our buyers and say, okay, you need to tell me what your limit is. Now, their limit could be defined by how much additional cash they could bring to the table. I had a transaction a month or so ago, and my buyers dipped into their retirement fund to buy the house because it did not appraise. But their thought was, we're going to be here for a long time, and we're willing to do that. But even if people have more funds they can put up, most people have a limit. Like, I'm not going beyond this. You know, this is my proverbial line in the sand. I'll go this much above your asking price, but I won't go beyond that. So that becomes something we all have to think about. Now, when you are an agent involved, it's so sad to hear people think they can't talk to an appraiser. You can talk to an appraiser. You can't coerce an appraiser. You can't threaten an appraiser, and I would certainly hope you would not do that, but you can absolutely talk to an appraiser. Now, here's the thing. Appraisers are absolute sponges for data. There is no such thing as giving an appraiser too much information. They love information. And the more information you have, the better. If you can use specific information about the comps you used, the upgrades the seller did, when they did them, that kind of thing, that's awesome. Here's another thing you sometimes overlook. Please make sure that if there is a comparable sale out there that you know the appraiser is going to find, because let's face it, there's no secret comps. Pretty much everyone knows what's out there. And if there is a compelling reason why that should not be used, please share that with the appraiser. So unless an appraiser asks, and they should be asking, but that's another topic, we might not know the backstory. So let's take as an example, a divorcing couple. And first of all, they're battling. So one of them insists on a much higher price than the house is actually worth. We're going to have this aspirational price. And then we have a spouse who maybe has, um, who is living in the house and the other spouse is not. And that spouse isn't really <clears throat> keen on the idea of selling. So they decide we're going to make this just as difficult as we can. And <clears throat> they're the ones who tell agents we want 48 hours written notice. Like we don't, like we wouldn't want 48 hours written notice, but we don't get it. Maybe the house doesn't look tidy when it's being shown, maybe it's an absolute disaster. Maybe you got reasonable offers early on. They dug their heels in and refused to take that offer. Now, there's a the thing we all call as appraisers, 
market aging. So market aging, and you all know this, you might not call it this, but that's when there's been a sign on a house for a long time and people drive by and every buyer says the same thing. What's wrong with that house? And I'm sometimes tempted to say, you know, there's a troll in the basement and he nips at your heels when you come down the cellar steps. There's nothing wrong with the house. It was just overpriced. But overpricing can create a stigma. So let's wind back to this divorce house, this wonderful listing you got. Number one, overpriced in the beginning. Number two, really hard to show. Number three, when you showed it, it was a disaster. Number four, they received much more reasonable offers early on and didn't take them. And then let's say what ultimately happened is the courts got involved. And the courts said to the two parties, this has got to be sold. We're having another appraisal done. Any offer you get above this or at this or above, you have to take. And then all of a sudden, when that happened, they took an offer and they sold the property. But maybe your opinion was, you know what? They could have gotten more for that house. I had offers above that. So that's one thing you can do. Now, here's another thing. If you are the listing agent and your seller, of course, really wants this appraisal to come in. I would give the appraiser a grid of all of the offers I had. I would absolutely redact everyone's personal information. And actually, appraisers don't care. But what appraisers are interested in is price, financing, terms, conditions. Now, when you think about it, if you make a grid up, of all the offers you get in a multiple offer situation. There is an absolute logic to which offer the seller took based upon the seller's motivation, the seller's conditions. So maybe that particular seller, they knew this house had more issues than National Geographic when it would come to a home inspection. And so they picked the offer that waived the home inspection. You could have a seller who had a very particular time frame they wanted to have to get out of the house, and someone provided that time frame and someone else didn't. So all of that comes into play. Now, another thing you can do as an agent is if you can find pending sales which support the price in the contract, please share those with the appraiser, but please Make certain you have permission from your client to share that information because it's not public information until it closes and goes in MLS and courthouse records in most states as well. But I have often asked and gotten the answer as an appraiser, do you know of any other pending sales? And lo and behold, there's a great pending sale. And that's another thing the appraiser can put into the mix. Pending sales are very fresh data. And I'll tell you what, if I call somebody up and they go, yeah, there's a pending sale and it's going to close next week. We've got clear to close and it's just going to happen next week. That's great. I'm going to be able to use that as an additional comparable. Um, finally, something you want to make sure everyone is paying attention to. And I will be honest and say not all appraisers pay as much attention to this as I believe they should. When I look at a closed sale that I'm using as a comp, I look at the date it went under contract. And then I go back and look at what was available 
when that property went under contract. Because here's my opinion. At that point in time, let's just say the property, the agreement of sale was signed June 1st of 2020. At that point in time, that buyer chose that property out of the other ones which were available because that buyer believed that property offered the best value at the price. Now, an appraiser is also going to want to look at supply and demand today. Typically, when we've got people coming in over list price, it's because there's nothing else in the market that is at that price or less. There's very short, very short supply, very low supply. But on top of that, none of the supply is anywhere near where this one is. So we all have different roles to do. Just to recap, if you're a seller agent, absolutely. Your client wants to get the most money they can and you want to help them do that. But I will tell you, I often will say at a listing appointment, here's the price that I think an appraiser could prove because there are comps to support it. I think we might want to try this price because I don't know if we'll get it or not. But seller, you need be, to be prepared to tell me what you're going to do if we get a buyer at your price, but the appraisal doesn't meet the contract price and the buyer refuses to come up. They don't have a lot of options. They can try to sell the property again. They can keep the property, whatever. Now, buyer agents, the market is so darn tight in so many parts of the country that half your negotiation is just getting your buyer in the door and putting them in a position where they can make an offer on the property. But you've got to prepare them. There's going to be multiple offers. And when people say highest and best in the market we are in now, they're not kidding. So please, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, don't think you're going to get a chance to come back again because that probably is not going to happen. You also have to tell me, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, your comfort level for going above appraised value, not only your personal comfort level with it, but your financial ability to go above that. And I had one this summer where we negotiated. The buyers brought more money to the table, but the seller came down somewhat too because there was about an $8,000 discrepancy between the negotiated sales price and the appraised value. Finally, appraisers are not your enemy. I like to say this often, and I have a thing I'm doing for the NAR virtual convention this year. I hope you tune in and see it. And it is called The Appraiser is Not the Enemy. But understand, maybe you went back in time 18 months to find a comparable sale for your CMA. An appraiser is not going to be able to do that. The lender is going to give them a lot of grief for going that far back in time. And they have requirements that the lenders give them in terms of distance and in terms of time. And then, of course, some lenders want appraisers to bracket. And bracket is this thing where the appraiser is supposed to, and you can't always do this, find one sale above what the property sold for, one sale below what the property sold for, one a little bit larger square footage, one a little bit less, and that's bracketing. I personally don't think bracketing makes an appraisal any more reliable than it already was, but that's kind of my opinion. Thank you all very much. I guess I'm going to sign off. Um, hope to join you again another time. Thank you. 
for the rest of this presentation and to get exclusive NC Realtors content, join the NC Realtors Mobile Mondays group on Facebook. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Will Martin. I'm a general counsel for the North Carolina Realtors. Uh, thank you for joining me for this weekly Q&A, which has a holiday theme. The uh, question is, I have just received an inquiry on one of my listings from an adorable little man named Bushy Evergreen. Bushy is helping his employer, Chris Kringle, and his wife, Jessica, find a little getaway where they can relax when their seasonal business slows down after the holidays. Bushy has done some research on my listing and he says it would be perfect for the Kringles and their reindeer. He has power of attorney from the Kringles giving him the authority to hire me and purchase the property on their behalf. My question is, do I have to disclose to my seller client, a Mr. Scrooge, the fact that the Kringles plan to bring their reindeer with them. The reason I ask is because the property the seller has listed with me is next door to his residence, and I know him to be a somewhat disagreeable sort of a guy. When I told Bushy that I wasn't sure if the seller would be okay with a herd of reindeer living right beside him, he scrunched up his cute little nose and said he'd rather me keep quiet about them. Well, what's the answer to this question? Do uh, do they have to disclose uh, the fact that the Kringles are going to bring their reindeer with them? Here's our answer. We assume that both Scrooge and the Kringles have agreed or will agree to dual agency. If that is correct, the dual agency section of the listing and buyer agency agreements states, among other things, that the parties understand the firm may obtain information which, if disclosed, could harm the bargaining position of the party providing the information, and that the firm will not disclose information that a party has identified as confidential unless disclosure is otherwise required by statute or rule. Since Bushy has requested that you not disclose to Mr. Scrooge the Kringles' plans to bring their reindeer, we don't think you should do so unless their plans would be a material fact that you would be required to disclose under the real estate license law. The question then becomes, what is a material fact? According to the Real Estate Commission's North Carolina Real Estate Manual, material facts include facts about the property itself, facts relating directly to the property, facts relating to the ability of the agent's principal to complete the transaction, and facts that are known to be of special importance to a party. The manual states that regardless of which party in a transaction a real estate agent represents, these facts must be disclosed to the agent's principal and to third parties the agent deals with. The manual then goes on to provide that under agency law, an agent has the additional duty to disclose to his or her principal any information that may affect the principal's rights and influence the principal's decision in the transaction. So, which category of information would the presence of reindeer next door fall into? According to no less a leading authority than Twas the Night Before Christmas, the eight reindeer used by Chris Kringle 
also known as Santa, to pull his sleigh are described as quote unquote tiny. In our view, the presence of eight exceedingly small reindeer on the property, or nine if you include Rudolph who was added to the herd later, could not reasonably be considered a material fact that you would be required by law to disclose to the seller. As an aside, their tininess likely explains why we can never hear them on the roof. Although the Kringles' plans for using the property might possibly influence Scrooge's decision whether to sell the property to them, we believe that in agreeing to dual agency in accordance with the terms of the listing agreement, Scrooge has by contract relieved the firm of any duty it might otherwise have to disclose to him any additional information regarding the Kringles' plans. Scrooge may be sore at you, but when you try to represent both parties in the same transaction, you sometimes find yourself in situations like this. But who knows, maybe Scrooge and his new neighbors will get along famously. Miracles do happen, you know. Thanks for joining me for this Q&A. I hope it's been educational. Happy holidays to you all. If you have a question for our legal team, you can reach out to the NC Realtors Legal Hotline at legalhotline at ncrealtors.org. Be sure to catch up on every episode of NC Realtors Redefined by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud.